the National Archives podcast series. Overseas births, marriages and deaths. Records in the National Archives. Presented by Keith Mitchell. Right. When I first started, there was a set of records, miscellaneous foreign returns. Anybody come up to the reading rooms and sort of say, we've been sent upstairs to talk to you about these records. I'd go, there's the catalogue. There's an index in this set and run. And hopefully they wouldn't come back until I'd actually gone off duty. So I thought it's about time that I actually got around to learning how these work. They've got a fair bit, and we'll come on to some of those in a little while. But what it's sort of highlighted to me, um, which hopefully we can do, is that it's a very confusing subject. There's lots of different sources and lots of different places that you can find the records. If you can find anything at all, there is no legislation to state that you have to bring or report back to this country an event overseas. There are ways of doing it. Us Brits are pretty resourceful in lots of ways and we'll find different ways of letting the authorities over here know, whether that's through an English church, consular re registers, or even just writing to the GRO in the General Register Office. So there are lots of different ways that you can report it back. So over about the next 45 minutes, hopefully, what we'll do is cover a few of the different records where you might find them. From military, consular, a little bit about the empire and commonwealth, or whichever you want to call it at whatever time. India, although I've got the General Registrar Office, it's mainly the miscellaneous, so it's the ones that we've got under the Registrar General's series. And what else you can find? We'll start with the military. Now, as I pointed out, we're a fairly resourceful sort of set of people, so we'll try and register wherever. So you won't find everything in the most obvious places. These set of records highlight that. You've got ADM 338, ADM6 are the main two Navy records. The Navy aren't that good at registering events. And to a certain degree, there's no real need to. If you've got a ship, 19th century, what have you got on board? Two, three hundred men, and that's about it. So you're not going to have births, baptisms, or marriages. Deaths are mainly seamen, so what they'll do is record those in the normal seamen service record. But what you do get is their land bases. And here's one from Island Island, Bermuda, Barbados rather, wrong one, get the right one, which highlights the different sorts of records that you can get in there. If we highlight that one a little bit more, you can find the very top one is a convict. Two more convicts at the bottom of this pit. We sent people out there, convicts, to build the harbour. So this burial register includes the convicts. In the middle, you've got private in the army, the lieutenant from HMS Racehorse. So there are military in there as well but it's a mixture of everybody. Another one, just to bring it home, is this one, ADM-6. Now this one is from Sheerness, but it's still Her Majesty's Dockyard. And as it says, records may contain more than Navy or military personnel. And to highlight that, say Sheerness, baptisms, top two is a bar cellarman and a publican from the high street. Just to keep it there, there is a warrant engineer from the Royal Navy. 
So even if you're in this country and there is a barracks or a dockyard or some such like and you cannot find a baptism around, it could be that they're in some of these records. Not overly common, but there are occasions. There are other ways of finding Navy records. We've got two marriage certificates, both of the same person, Charles Luxmore, Marion, Francis Turrell. As you can see, it's in China, Shanghai, but you've got two different ones. The top one is typed, says nicely at the top, returns to the Registrar General. The second one is handwritten, but it's still from exactly the same place. So the bottom one is the original one they signed, the top one is the one that went back to London, as it was. The only thing is, as you can see from the references, they are both in our records. And they are part of the miscellaneous foreign returns. So they're not, again, with the Navy records, they're in another section. The Army are slightly better at keeping records. Not because they want to be nice to all of us genealogists or people around these days who want to find the births, but because of more admin. If you've got soldiers in the Army wandering around the peninsula, anybody who's ever read any of the chart books probably realises from that what you get is you get the Army, you then get the nice commonly called baggage, which is where you get all the family and all the official followers of the army. Behind that is everybody else. The ones that are in the official baggage are probably there and paid for by the army. So they need to keep track of actually who's in there and who they're paying for. So there are various different registers that they will have to ensure that they keep hold of that. Officers, they need to keep it for pension records, etc. So first one, this is, generally speaking though, the regimental registers are held by the GRO. So you need to contact them and know which regi regiments they're in. But we hold seven, mainly militia, British-based. This particular one from Yorkshire. But as you can see from the bit at the bottom, it includes children's baptisms from overseas or births. Second one down is Gibraltar, next to Gibraltar, the bottom one's Pontefract. So a rough guess, without checking up on this gentleman, he was probably in the regular army and then moved to the militia. Another one in there, you've just got a straightforward register of baptisms. Most of these will be within the militia regiment, so they'll be based in your sort of Yorkshire and include, same as your normal parish registers, you will get more than one child baptised at one time. The other nice ones, to show you other places you might find them, as I say, generally speaking, regimental marriages, you need to go to the GRO. General Registrar Office have not indexed most of them though, so you need to contact them with the regiment. But there are some that aren't in there. This particular record, 1921 to 1929, RG32, includes marriages of soldiers in Germany. There we go. Corporal de Inneskilling, Dragooners. Married a nice little German. As I say, they are not repeated anywhere else. So they're not in the, the GRO's regimentals, they're not in the consulars, they're not in any church records we've got. At least none that I've found yet. 
But to point out, it is in German. It is a German certificate. Officer's records, these ones prior to the First World War, WI-25, they're on microfilm here, give a little bit more. So as you can see, this is a, just a pretty much a note of this particular officer. He's what, 44, tells you who's married, tells you that he's got married at the British Embassy in Paris. There we go, highlight that up nicely for you. Now that's not gonna be in the consular records. Being the British Embassy, they're in a different set of records. And there is his actual marriage from RG33 in the British Embassy. So again, you've got the record of the marriage and the actual marriage in another set of records. There are also, this one from WI42, keep and extracts of baptisms as well as marriages as well. So it's all making sense. They're not all in one place. It's very confusing at times. But the Army are slightly better than the Navy. Moving on to, as I called it, diplomatic offices. Foreign office, you get a bit of correspondence. If you look through the indexes, it will say Birth, John Smith, Joan Smith, whoever. Probably the actual correspondence has not survived, though. We have got some consular registers, which I'll show you in a second. Anything to do with colonial empire, whatever you wish to call it, dominions, are generally not returned to this country. Being classed as part of the empire, it's kept in country. A lady came up to us at the FRC quite a few years ago getting quite excited. She sort of said, but my father was born in the West Indies. It's classed as UK, so you should have a copy of it. No, it's classed as UK, so therefore it stays there. But no, you've got a copy of it. This went on for about an hour. She really wouldn't accept it. But unfortunately, she'd have had to have gone back to the West Indies if it still survives down there. The only difference is the India office, which is at the British Library. Anything to do with India, Burma, Pakistan, the British Library is where you need to go. All right, so recap, generally not returned, still in country, but Society of Genealogists or local family history centers may have indexes, transcripts, copies, microfilms of those records. And they won't all be online. So for searching family search, if you can't find anything, doesn't mean that they haven't got it. It just may mean that they haven't digitized it or indexed it. Saying that, go back a little bit, 1678. This one from the West Indies is a colonial record. And as you can see, nicely written. What it is, is in a book of correspondence. There are about two or three of these in there from around this time but they're in with lots of other things. So it's not a dedicated register, and most of these, if you find any more, are not in the catalogue, because we probably haven't come across them yet. Consular returns, generally speaking, again, GRO, they hold the majority of them. When you go to the consular, you, if you wish to do that, you register your event, they then copy it out, the same as when you're at home pretty much. They copy out the register and then send it to, back to England. The other copy, the one that they keep, could be anywhere close to. 
take it. Who remembers the first edition of Who Do You Think You Are? Hey, excellent. Annoyed me slightly from a taxpayer's point of view. They sent the poor little person off to Italy. Milan, I think it was, to go and look to get his copy of his birth certificate. It's in a consular return. Turns up, he gets it. Fine, no problems. It's a nice little break for him. Pays for his trip. Doing the show. Thing is, the GRO have a copy of that as well. This is what the original one looks like. FO923, Hamadan in Persia, now part of Iran. The stamps down on the side are because it's done by the vice consul. They're the one who do all the registrations. Vice consuls generally are not paid. They make their money by things like registering events, births, shipping charges, etc. So the stamp tells you how much they've paid. So the top ones, oh, I'm going to say this, it's a little bit before my time, so what's that, two and six? Just about, I hasten to add. Thank you. All right, so you've got a nice few people. You've got a gentleman in the middle, there's a merchant, etc. The copy that you've got in your handouts there is from Riga, which is Slovenia, I think, or one of the ex-Russian states, of which in there at the bottom you've got Her Majesty's Consul is one. And there are seamen. So although I did state that I was not going to touch on events at sea, some of these do have to do with seamen. Saying that the GRO have got an index to this, as you can see, this comes from one book. The top one is volume 17 held by the General Registrar Office for Iran. Second one, volume 18. There you go, bottom three are all volume 20. They've broke them down into years. So the top one's 1923, 24's the second, 26 and 28's the bottom one. So although you might sort of find it quite easily this way to get a certified copy, they've done it a different way. Probably the same as civil registration, what they've done is they've got them all in and then they've put them all into their own system. Going back to the India office, I mentioned British Library is where you need to go but there are a few exceptions or places to be wary of. This particular record Walter Wallace, Marianne, Olive McAvoy 1940 is in both RRG3310 and it's at the British Library in N106 they'll have a slightly different copy. So we've got a copy, they've got a copy. Doesn't generally work like that. We had a little experiment a few years ago to try and decide what they've got, what we've got. We didn't actually conclude anything, apart from the fact it's hit and miss. We've mainly got records between about 19, was it 32, I think, somewhere like that, let's say in a second, and about 1945 for India. Not that many though. If I've just confused you by saying that we've got it and the BL have got it, here's another one. Duplicate. Marriage. If I can remember what his name is, it's Mr. Quinn Living has got married. There's another one. 
And just to confuse you, there's another one. They're all different. These ones, of which there's about 20, I think, roughly, are all in RG3310. Being that they're all from Rangoon, which I, if I remember a little bit of war history, was invaded by the Japanese, they took it, they'd lost the register, so they needed to replace the register. So they sent out letters to those that they knew had been married there. And by the time they got some back, found the original register and the copy that had gone elsewhere, we've got between two and three copies for each of these. And these ones, from what I can gather searching the British Library, are not there either. So that we do have a little bit of difference. We then get some that are a little bit misleading. There we go. Register kept by consular officers. Complete entry C, original register deposited in GRO. Well, the original looks like that, but it's not at the GRO, it's not in a consular register, it's in the miscellaneous foreign returns again. They both are. The one's in RG33159, the full copy. The second one's 113. So before these were all available to search online at bmdregisters.co.uk, what you'd have probably have done is found the first one, gone to the GRO, they've said, nope, we don't have it, go to the British Library. Gone to the British Library, searched there for a few days to try and find the fact that they don't have it, and then ended back up here again. We then get other ones. This is another one where there's about two or three <coughs> copies, less the true blood, and as it points out at the bottom, certificate forwarded to the DC Rangoon in his book of copies, of certificates. So that's why there's more than one copy. He's got a copy and then he's forwarded another copy. So again, he's just trying to point out that there's more than one copy. They're not all in the same place and they may not all be in the same series. Miscellaneous foreign returns, let's say RG32 to RG36, available to search for a fee, bmdregisters.co.uk. They were originally deposited with the General Registrar Office. They did have a system where you could write to them. There's a nice little letter in about 1874 of a gentleman who gives two sheets of paper, every single piece of detail about the birth of his child, where he's married, where they're born, full names, ages, everything. And one of the last minor little bits of detail he actually gives, as though it's an afterthought, was the name of the child. So GRO, though, in about 19, between about 1940 and 1960, decided they didn't want these anymore. So they gave them to us, which is why most of it says GRO. But there are letters, there's church records, etc. in there. It does vary. Correspondence, if you want to know more about legislation, why these are done, is in RG48. But that's all that there will be in there. It's just the correspondence. And obviously, all the GRO indexes that they now hold consular, regimentals, high commission as it is these days, etc., is all online. A couple of websites, findmypast.com and familyrelatives.co.uk is the other one. Have these on there. What these are, I'm going, one from 1627. This is about the oldest record we've got in these records. So 1627 up till 1969, deposited with the GRO, transferred to, got the National Archives, but was the Public Record Office, includes Falklands, 
Lundy Island, nice little one. Where's Lundy Island? Thank you, Crystal Channel, excellent. <laughs> the GR, uh, when they first brought out in 1836, 37, civil registration, and they wrote all of it, they forgot Lundy Island. I'm sure they were really upset. So for about 10 years, 1860s, before 1874 when it was included as an extra parochial registration district, a nice gentleman from London moved there to run a mine. <coughs> and you can find him on the census. What he'd done was decided we need to keep track of all these. So he kept the, a record for about 10 years or so, which is what these records are. British military deaths in England, France and Belgium, mainly from hospitals. Some of these are not on Commonwealth war graves or soldiers died but it is very incomplete. There's big gaps missing, and they are all in French. But you might be able to find something in there. And say, lots of other countries, but they will not include the likes of Canada, Australia, United States, West Indies, etc. Which does help when you want anything, what was ours in, say, anywhere in Africa which is very hard these days to try and get hold of, considering they didn't actually return anything to us then. Let's go back to having another two looks at two different records. This time, William Ayrton. He was a British diplomat, started off as a translator in China, worked up to be a consul. Got married, 1880, two records, look pretty much the same. Top one is ours, it's in RG3312. The bottom one, this time, is the General Registrar Office and it's in the consular. There you go, so the top one's got married in the cathedral, British consulate. Any other big differences? If you have a look, that one's got an original signature. That one has got a nice clerk's entry. So this time, we've got a copy, and the General Registrar Office have got a copy. Shall I confuse you a little bit more? There is a third copy. There is another copy of this in RG35. So in this case, Unlike our Royal Naval Lieutenant earlier on, where there's two copies, this one there's three copies because he's gone to the consulate, registered it. Not too sure which way round he done it, which was, did he go and get married in the cathedral for the first and then register it at the consul, or did he go to the consul, get married, and then have a blessing in the cathedral, whichever. The other thing to bear in mind is that even if you find one country and one year. So this death certificate, in French, 1873, Synergy 3522. It's an extract, as it says at the top, of the Registrar of Deceased. And it's the military hospital. As I say, it's 1873. This one is Paris, 1873, RG 3522, exactly the same piece number. But this time, different form. Do you want to see another form? There's a different one, again. It's France, 1873. It's another type of extract of a register. They're all in French. And just to confuse you a little bit more, there is a fourth style as well. So even when you come down to trying to look locally for records in a country, depending on the, the area of that country, depends on what style form you will get. It's not like us where we just get one form for the whole of England and Wales. 
France, Spain, Germany, they're all done by region. And generally you need to know that region before you can even think about getting a certificate from them. But there are also church records in there. RG35 contains Brazil, Rio Janeiro, and various other countries. Chile, I think, is in there, etc. Now we do also hold other styles types of records where you might find them. This one, Hudson Bay Company. Now we don't generally hold company records. These ones, which is why it's such a bad copy, is from microfilm, that's all we hold. The originals are still with the Hudson Bay Company as far as I'm aware, but Archives Canada also hold copies. But you can see from this one, they're all settlers, mainly. So you can find baptisms and marriages. It also has got a nice little census sheets in there for this time period. So if you've got anyone out in Hudson who's working for the Hudson Bay Company. Other types of records, there we go. Form to be filled in by parents. This is what you before you go to the Admiralty, this is what you've got to go and ask them to do. This one is from AD, ADM6. It's Sheerness. So this is the little card that you had to fill in to give to them. There's not very many of these, but there are some. And they're just in the box with the register we saw earlier. State papers, going back even further. 1762. How about that for an explanation? Yesterday at two in the afternoon. Can we be more precise? Died of a malignant fever and was this afternoon at four buried. Mrs. Francis Hughes. Better than some of the parish registers we get, isn't it? Date, buried, age, if you're lucky. So saying that they could be anywhere, other places to try. Society of Genealogists hold various different things. Guildhall Library, manuscripts, anything that was the Diocese of London, if I remember rightly. The records went to Guildhall. They hold the Diocese of London which includes all the overseas records. So there's a lot there. Only thing to bear in mind, some of it may be at the Guildhall Library, others London Metropolitan Archives, because they've split their collections. Check their website. It will tell you where to find them. The Latter-day Saints, very good at collecting pretty much everything. Try their website, but also try their catalogue to find what they've got. They've got copies, and I think the indexes to those Paris Embassy records that we saw earlier and various other FO records and of course British, British Library for India Office and ecclesiastical records. It says all have printed or microfilm copies. It really does depend on the record itself. And lastly, two forward-thinking people. Letter on the left-hand side, PRO 17, says they're about those records from 1914-18 of British soldiers and basically they're being told no you cannot destroy them they are public records they've got to come to us and the one on the right hand side HMS Repulse Atlantic Fleet what's going to happen to the records if the dockyard closes I think she and did didn't it that's why it's with us so things to bear in mind yes they could be with us they could be duplicates they could be anywhere else or they could be absolutely nowhere. If you think about any of these records 
if there's no one there to actually return them or if they get lost on the way back. Examples to think about, showing off that I went on holiday, went to Pompeii two weeks ago. If anyone's ever been to Pompeii, lovely place. Really shows that it was a living city, all that 74 AD, until Vesuvius exploded. Everyone's still there, all the records were probably still there. So unless people didn't get out, they probably didn't get the records out. So there's not that much to do with Pompeii anywhere, unless it's been records in another source. Go to another Mediterranean island, exactly the same thing. This time, look at Santorini. They've now found pretty much the equivalent of Pompeii. Difference with Santorini, there is no evidence of life. You've got no trap in it. There's nothing to indicate there was anybody there. But it is a city that is about the same size as Pompeii. Where did they all go? Crete, swear blind, it's nothing to do with their Minoans. There's no other record of that civilization. So if everyone got out, what happened to them and what happened to those records? They took the records with them, possibly. So that's a volcano in each occasion. Either one it was expected or not expected. Natural disaster. Another one being, as we mentioned earlier, Barbados. Pretty sure their records were destroyed. The same as Ireland in a fire. So you can't find anything from them. So they don't survive. Unless it's in another format. So, but to help you, there are three books. Two here. Our very own publication, Tracing Your Ancestors, 8.9, gives you a nice little breakdown of what countries we've got, consular, and various other records. Expanding on that, but not quite duplicated, is the British Overseas by the Guildhall Library. We've got copies of these all around the reading room. It will tell you what's at the Guildhall. Although this is 10 years, it's still very good. This event was recorded live on the 7th of April 2011 at the National Archives, Kew. This podcast is copyrighted to the National Archives. All rights reserved.